You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, preseason is... I'm trying to think of the right way to describe how it's over. Um, it's it's over. You know what? That's, that's just good <laughs> enough for me. Um, the preseason is over. We saw the Bucks win their first preseason game, 107-103 over the Detroit Pistons on Friday night. And I guess it was really our only look at the team, or at least at least the way I look at it. It was the only way we've ever really got to look at the team. Like we saw Thon, we saw Giannis. That was the first time they were together. We saw the starting lineup play some minutes together. Um, it was the first time I actually felt like, oh, yeah, this is – this is the Bucks team I remember from that playoff series in Toronto. Yeah, and, and first off, uh, the NBA regular season could not come at a better time because uh, while I am not the biggest Green Bay Packer fan in the world, I'm not Ugh. the most diehard Green Bay Packer fan in the world. Um, I don't even know why I'm even reminding those of you who are Green Bay Packer fans because you're probably listening to us in part to escape the reality <laughs> of what happened on Sunday. But I know some people obviously we listen to are, are Bucks fans and not fans of other Wisconsin sports or, or the Packers specifically. But... Um, the Green Bay Packers losing Aaron Rodgers, of course, the arguably the the best player in the galaxy of NFL football, mm-hmm. um, to a, a, a broken collarbone today. I mean, this was such a bummer. I was just sitting there all afternoon thinking, like, suddenly I, I was literally thinking, like, oh my god, what if Giannis were to get hurt, like, in the first game? What oh if, like, my gosh. you know, yeah. Um, because now I I feel obviously I'm I'm more of a Bucks fan than Packer fan, but I feel like people are going to be even more vested in what the Bucks do, especially early in the season than, than normal. And we always kind of joke about, Oh, you know, when the Packers season ends, then people, then there's like a big subset of people who suddenly like might start paying attention to the Bucks in the state of Wisconsin. And I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, you know, pile on the Packers at this point. I have no idea if Rogers come back this year or what happens next. But um, personally, I will say I, I am glad to have a distraction from just the sadness of of the Packers having their season likely derailed today. So, shout out to the NBA for coming back. <laughs> I, I, I need it right now. Um, I don't know. Well, before I jump into my my thoughts from Friday, anything you want to add on that? Because you being in Milwaukee sports radio, uh, th- this is obviously going to be <laughs> like dominating your life probably and yeah. the station's life for the next. I don't know months. So, th- this can't be any. This has got to be far worse for you than me. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a brutal blow. Uh, Literally, the first five weeks of the season, it was always like, well, you know, they're doing pretty well with injuries. And it was always like, well, you know, at least Rodgers still upright. At least Rodgers isn't hurt because they've had injuries on the offensive line. And, well, 
Rogers is hurt now. And yeah, it's it's really crummy. Uh, you have to hope the defense is fine and they can cobble together some wins and hopefully Rogers gets back with a week or two left in the season and you're in a spot where you can still make the playoffs, but it is crappy. It is very, very crappy. Yes, crappy, but what's crappy for the Green Bay Packers um, is an opportunity for the Bucks. Like I was saying, you know, from I think a mindshare perspective, uh, the Bucks. Especially with you know they have a hard tr- start to the season at least in terms of some of the, the opposition, um, probably the Detroit Pistons on Friday. We're we're not we're you know a stepping stone to a higher level of competition that they'll face early in the season with the Celtics and Cavs uh, showing up in that first week. Um, you know I, I think the Detroit Pistons a year ago as well. I, I think specifically we talked about how you know especially defensively there are teams that really were going to test the Bucks and their you know, proclivity for giving up three point shots. Mm -hmm. And we always talked about the Pistons being a team that, you know, you kind of look forward to playing because they're not the kind of team that's really going to test you in that (laughs) regard. They're, you know, and and I don't know, Stan Van Gundy as a coach, you know, slash GM, I don't know. I feel like his star has fallen a fair bit. I'm not particularly worried that Stan Van Gundy is going to draw up a, you know, game plan that's going to really exploit the Bucks per se. So, you know, and I think on, on Friday we, we saw, um, the Bucks, maybe not, you know, it, it took them a little while to take control of that game, especially in the first quarter. Things didn't necessarily go their way right away. But, um, you know, I think we saw a lot of the sort of sort of themes that we, you know, talk about wanting to see, especially offensively and defensively. You know, again, I think it was nice to see the Bucks not exploited from the three point line maybe as much. I think the Pistons were six out of 17 in the first three quarters, which was kind of the relevant part of the game. So, um, you know, held in check pretty well there. But again, not something you really want to try to extrapolate from. But um, yeah, I, I thought the bigger thing for me really was just offensively seeing the team, especially in that first half, kind of revolve around Giannis and spreading the floor around Giannis and, and really kind of playing sort of a four out style with Giannis being the focal point of everything. And um, obviously some of the big three point numbers, I don't, I think you, I think you have them in front of you, right? The, yep. what they ended up shooting. Um, but uh, that was obviously probably the biggest bright spot. They, they do win the game, but um, they kind of hung on as, uh, as Detroit sort of kept, three starters in late while the Bucks had basically a bunch of scrubs in. So um, nice to get a win, but really they, you know, the first three quarters I think told a, a better story. And I don't know. I mean, what, what was your kind of big take? Was it the, the offense? Did you see something on defense? Where would you kind of start with this game? 34 points in the second quarter, 35 points in the third quarter. It's the first time I felt like the offense looked like it was worth the shit. Um, and it was mainly because, like you said, Giannis was the guy making plays. Uh, they were spreading the floor around him. Uh, Thon goes two for five from three. Chris takes six of them, only hits two. Uh, but Tony Snell's four for seven. Mears is four for six. Rashad Vaughn is two for three. Uh, Sterling Brown hit that nice corner three that Giannis got on uh, that one-hander from the right uh, right lane line in the air over to uh, the left corner. That was a really pretty pass. So it, it to me, it looked like, and again, we always talk about the Bucks offense is probably going to look best when the ball's actually moving because there isn't 
a, a lot of backside action and stuff like that. So if they can get the ball movement going and they can get some dribble penetration to start that ball movement, to trigger that ball movement, uh, then they can start to look like a better team. Um, and all of that looks a lot better when they're not passing up open threes and instead shooting those open threes that they get through that ball movement and through that dribble penetration. So uh, to me, the big thing was the offense. It looked real-ish. Um, it, it looked like... Like we thought it should look uh, if things are going right and you set things up around Giannis the right way. Um, and we'll talk about this again in our over-unders pod, the second part of that, coming out tomorrow. Um, but since I we already recorded it, I know what I say. And I mentioned <laughs> something about how if the Bucks are going to be a team that wins that over, if they get over 47.5, it's probably because the offense is a top-10 offense. And... Uh, I think you could see some of the reasons why that could happen uh, on Friday night. And that was the first time throughout the preseason that I actually felt like you saw that. Yeah, I mean, we saw Giannis kind of go to work uh, in Chicago and do a bunch of damage. That was more scoring you know, for himself probably than, mm-hmm. um, than really setting up other guys. But uh, I think he had six assists. I think he should have had seven. I think they gave Thon a, a, an assist in the third quarter when Giannis dumped it off to Chris, I think, for an open three. <laughs> You know, somebody's got to pay attention to this stuff uh, preseason for the scorekeepers as well, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was nice. It was nice. And, and this is the thing, right? Like, you don't need to run, you know, tons of off ball actions if you have a guy like Giannis who can drive to the basket and draw crowds and, and you know, just people just find a good spot and spot up around him, right? And, yep. and that can. Um, that can be a really nice offense if you have a guy like that. And and so um, I think certainly that's the hope, right, that you see Giannis in more of that kind of LeBron-type mode. Um, I think some of the passes he made sort of to the corners, you know, sort of a little bit more reminiscent of, uh, of LeBron-type passes. Not that, you know, I, I don't think Giannis even needs to be LeBron as a passer, which is good because I don't know how many guys can, can be. LeBron <laughs> I, as a I was just going to say, like, I feel like 10 to 15 dudes in the history of basketball are as good of passers as LeBron. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was encouraging. And, and Giannis really wasn't scoring much early. You know, he kind of um, got the ball in the post a couple times, kind of settled for kind of turn around, like fade away, kind of like glasser type shots, missed a couple shots that way. Um, you know, wasn't super efficient scoring, but got it going a bit as the game went on. Um, and in the th- second half, it was interesting because you play a little bit more off ball. We saw him finish on a couple of pick and rolls as a screener, uh, one off Chris, one from Chris, one from Delhi, I think it was. Yep. And so we kind of got, again, sort of the full view of what Giannis can do in that third quarter did a bit more scoring um I think he had what eight of his 17 points uh, in that third quarter as the Bucks kind of blew it open and outscored them 35 to 20 and you know really if you look at sort of the opposite side uh, Avery Bradley shot the ball extremely well kind of caused them some problems with 26 points and you know other than that Andre Drummond nine offensive rebounds that was probably the only other thing you'd really look at and say that was a uh, an area uh, that was a big problem um but, you know, interestingly, uh, I, I thought the Bucks looked worse. And again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it seemed like the Bucks struggled more on the on the defensive boards when John Henson was in than when Thon was in. Like, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It, it didn't seem like the Bucks struggled as much um, when Thon was in the game. He had seven defensive rebounds in 26 minutes. Greg Monroe did not play. Um, I thought Thon acquitted himself pretty well against a guy in Drummond who's obviously just physically enormous and you know one of the best rebounders in the game um henson had one defensive rebound in 12 minutes so um you know again that doesn't tell the whole story but obviously i 
it, it meshes up with the eye test, let's say. I, it did not get the sense that John Henson had a whole lot of success against Drummond. He was a minus 10, whereas Thon was a plus 28. Um, so clearly good things happening with Thon in the game. Two of five threes, as you mentioned. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of looked, I'd say... Again, he had one other basket other than those twos, other than the two threes, just a transition finish after Giannis found him. So, you know, again, not doing anything particularly dynamic other than spacing the floor and getting out and using his ability to run the floor. But um, certainly good to see Thon playing, you know, real minutes, 26 minutes, certainly above. uh, We'll talk about our over-under prediction in the pod tomorrow. But um, I thought he was a bright spot. Giannis, obviously a bright spot. Um, you mentioned Snell shooting. Obviously, that was a big bright spot. Sixteen points on just nine shots. And you know what kind of else? Anything else kind of jump out at you, either stylistically or or otherwise, from the Bucks um, or players? Uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about you know the, the final roster spot here in a moment. But anybody else kind of stand out to you? How wild is it that Andre Drummond's like player type has just kind of become a meh player? Like, just to think about a guy, I mean, he had 18 points, 22 rebounds, and 7 assists, and watching that game, I was like, yeah, he was fine. And if I would have thought of that oh, five years ago, 18, 22, and 7, like, oh my gosh, he would have been incredible. But it, I don't know, it's just weird that, just how the game has changed, that you could honestly feel like, oh, maybe Thon had a bigger impact than him uh, through his floor spacing and through the other things that he did rather than just being able to gobble up offensive rebounds and uh, try to get a bunch of shots up near the rim. It's just, again, we always just talk about how the game is evolving and how things are changing. And as I was watching that on Friday, I was like, huh, those those two guys at center kind of exemplify kind of what's going on and i just thought that was really interesting um as far as other players i mean it's preseason plus minus so i'm not gonna highlight the plus 28 and circle that and you know write something about that but at the same time the bucks defense with thon on the floor looked very much like the bucks defense with Thon on the floor. Um, his length, his agility, his quickness allows them to cover up for a lot of those things. And again, the Pistons are a team that may not take advantage of those things as well as other teams might. Um, but for the most part, it was seeing Thon in there with Giannis and with Chris and with Malcolm and Tony, you could see oh, yeah, that's what this defense is supposed to look like. They they are supposed to be able to tip passes. They are supposed to be able to cause some general havoc. And I thought for the large part on, on Friday, or excuse me, I think for the most part on Friday, we got to see that. So um, I thought that was exciting to see him come back. Someone tweeted at me and asked me how I felt about Malcolm Brogdon's preseason. Um, Brogdon played 16 minutes, 0 for 2 from the field, 0 points an assist and a rebound and i guess i'm just of the belief like nah it's preseason um but i I don't know if i ever really thought there were kind of standout moments for malcolm um and again maybe that speaks to his role that may speak more to chris trying to get back into rhythm and Giannis not playing the first couple games and then playing the last two. Um, So maybe that would suggest some of the reasons why he'd have a quiet preseason. I don't know if it's necessarily something I'm worried about, but maybe it's something I'm keeping an eye on uh, just to see what he'll look like here in the first couple weeks because he's going to get tested in the first week of the season. Uh, (laughs) 
because going Boston, Cleveland, uh, Portland, that's about as hard as you can make it on a point guard in the first three games uh, of the season. So he's going to get tested. So uh, I guess kind of keeping an eye on that. Yeah, I thought there were moments, I think especially in the Chicago series, where he, he did get to the paint a bit more. Um, mm-hmm. He had five assists in that game. Um, but didn't shoot great. You know, he, he was three of eight from three in the preseason. So again, kind of, you know, 38% fine, you know, super small sample, um, but not a lot of attempts. Right. Uh, and obviously as his minutes weren't up to where you expect them to be in the regular season. Um, but certainly, yeah. I mean, if you were looking for evidence of like, Oh, here's Malcolm showing he's added some thing to his game that he didn't have before. I mean, he wasn't, you know, pumping in threes off the dribble or something like that, yeah. which again, that that's, I didn't expect him to. That's that's really not his game. And, um, you know, again, if if the bar is for him to be, you know, a valuable kind of role-playing starter who fits in and can switch and do different things and, you know, hit open threes, you know, I mean, we've seen most of that last year. Um, the question is, can he you know, continue to do that at, at an even higher level, more consistent level? And can he add a little bit more to his game, especially, I think, as a, as a playmaker? Because that's obviously the thing we always talk about with the box, right? Do they have guys who can create more for themselves and others? And um, so we'll see. Um, but again, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not really going to kind of panic, worry too much about it. I think, you know, we've seen young players in the past, like whether it's Giannis or other guys, like preseason, they'll just kind of like, nah, not do that much. But, um, you know, I guess to kind of circle off on that topic, um, a couple stats which I think uh, show, let's say, good things. So guys who who did show a lot in the preseason, and again, limited sample. You don't want to kind of take too much of this, but um, Chris Middleton. Uh, this this plays into uh, the 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 plus minus or the over under podcast we recorded that will show tomorrow as well. But um, interesting, I just kind of did some quick numbers uh, in the preseason because some of, probably the most relevant numbers to people. Um, 19.9 points per 36. Ooh, just missed 20. Just missed 20. Uh, 6.2 assists per 36, which Ooh. is pretty nice and kind of speaks to, I think, you know, not that Chris was like, you know, just everything was high pick and roll for Chris Middleton or something like that, but, you know, just doing a nice job kind of quietly, just moving the ball, making smart plays and getting those assists. And then we talked, obviously, every year we talk about his three-point attempts. He averaged uh, 6.6 threes. Per, per 36 attempted um which obviously is well above uh the numbers he's ever we've ever seen from him before mm-hmm. he's never cracked five per 36 previously so that i think was encouraging and i you know i, I tweeted this out the uh, yesterday i think on saturday i want to say that we're recording sunday night um the bucks in the preseason uh made 11 threes per 100 possessions and attempted 30 i believe per per 100 possessions okay. um which is a notable improvement on a year ago and again i think we always talk about you know how do the bucks become a more um you know modern offense you know for context last year they shot 24 and a half threes per 100 and made 9 so you know, from nine to 11 in terms of makes and 24 and a half to 30 in terms of attempts. That's nice. And just in case people are curious, I also look back to the preseason last year. So a year ago, preseason, they only took 21 threes per 100 possessions and made 6.5. So, you know, you see this kind of clear, obvious upward trajectory. And obviously you'd expect it to go that direction, given sort of how the league is going and how far the Bucks kind of were behind in that category a couple of years ago. Um, and I did think it was interesting. You know, you can never tell Jason Kidd how much of it is like 
him just sort of saying something just because he's annoyed that people keep asking him about it. <laughs> um, but he did, I believe his exact phrase was, well, we're a three-point three shooting, shooting team. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so, and, and he said it with, I think, a little bit of enjoyment. Um, and again, it's, the irony, of course, is that Jason Kidd, you know, is, I, I don't know, if, I forget where he is on the all-time uh, NBA three-point, three-pointers list, but it's, what, is he top five or something? He's he incredibly is. high. Um, he's made he made a ton of threes in his career uh, and embraced that shot as his career went on and, and really kind of changed his game obviously as he grew older so you know it's not like it's not like it runs counter to Jason Kidd's ethos as a player and coach um, but certainly it has been uh, an arduous ride here getting to the point where hopefully the Bucks are going to be a team that that does shoot a fair bit of threes I think they were around 10th i want to say in terms of threes attempt that are made they, they were you know again they were above average bottom line in the preseason in terms of attempts and makes so um so anyway so that i think was the other encouraging thing and, and i think obviously it kind of meshed with what we saw from uh the team on friday uh against detroit um the fact that you know again they uh and, and obviously that that those numbers skewed it a fair bit right this pumped it up a fair bit they were 16 out of 33 they're not going to hit 49 percent most nights we know that but uh, obviously good to see the team kind of get those numbers up and especially with uh the, you know the the key guys out there with the honest out there the starting lineup that we expect to see those guys beating together really for the first time to see them come out of the game right away and really kind of have an emphasis on playing through Giannis and having Giannis create looks for people I thought that was a, a nice thing to see and uh, obviously we'll see we'll see on Wednesday if that's uh, uh something that will actually carry over or not uh, Kid is eight all time in career three pointers uh, made. Just so you know. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about: uh, Delhi seven points, seven assists on the night. Uh, we saw a heinous Delhi floater get airballed from five feet to uh, <laughs> open the game. Um, and one thing I. I think I'm going to put something on Twitter about this where I break down some of the video, but I looked at all of the Giannis Deli pick and rolls. Um, and one of the interesting things is they seem to be trying to get Giannis to rim run less, which if, if you remember last year, a lot of times it would be a Deli Giannis pick and roll. And then Giannis would just kind of run into help defenders and it, there would be nothing there. And then Deli would shoot, a floater and it would not work. Um, and obviously everyone would get very frustrated with it, but what they started to do is either have Giannis pick and pop or have Giannis short roll it where he's stopping around the free throw line. Um, and it's kind of interesting because it makes that play. It's still probably going to result in some deli floaters. Like that's a shot that he shoots all the time. It's part of his repertoire. I don't, think we're ever going to see that rid from his game um but at the same time it doesn't by having him do those other by having Giannis do those other things you're not forcing Delhi into the floater it's not okay go as far as you can and then Giannis is covered and everyone else is covered because they want you to shoot the floater shoot the floater since Giannis is giving space it kind of creates something um and you mentioned it in the third quarter there was the one play where Delhi flipped it back to Giannis in the middle of the lane and he was able to finish that one um and there was another play where I think it ended up with Middleton to Giannis so there there's some interesting stuff there, and uh, part of me wonders if they're going to uh, employ the Giannis Deli pick and roll a little bit. Uh, I'm trying to think a little bit more. 
conservatively or maybe employed in slightly different ways to not force Delhi into those shots. Um, but I don't know, just something I was thinking about. I think I'm going to put something on Twitter about it with some of the video I cut and stuff. So if people want to check it out over there, uh, that should have a better explanation for any of you that are visual learners as opposed to uh, audio learners. Yeah, and I mean, you know, diving to the rim, you know, part of the values if if Giannis does dry a bunch of uh, attention, then well, that means you know, hopefully there's there's other guys who are open. But yep. obviously, with Giannis, you know, the idea is he's your best player. How do you get him the ball and not use him just as a decoy, right? So I think that was uh, an interesting kind of thing you noted. Um, yeah, I think um, in the grand scheme of things, so I mentioned uh, Chris's numbers uh, just to kind of round it out with Giannis. Obviously, Giannis did not play much in the preseason, so you know. Particular for Giannis, the small sample size, uh, uh, the small sample and preseason disclaimers apply. But uh, in 50 minutes over two games, uh, he scores 41 points, 10 boards, eight assists, five blocks, two steals. That's over 30 per 36. 29.5 points, 7.2 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 3.6 blocks, 1.4 steals. So yeah, Giannis. Uh, That'll do. Giannis is Giannis is working it. Um, and I think the. Uh, I think the you know it, the the fun thing with yeah I mean this is a kind of one of those things where did we learn something new about Giannis no right but new. watching him with some of the, like a couple of those chase down blocks he had that sequence <laughs> on uh, on Drummond where he blocked Drummond twice in this in in short succession and Thon challenged him as well and one I don't think he blocked it but Thon forced another miss out of him um, you know that that was a fun kind of sneak peek at you know again not not necessarily something we didn't know about before because. We've seen Giannis chase guy dudes down, and you know, at by this point, Bucks fans know, you know, when you see Giannis, you know he's he's measuring his strides and he's sizing a guy up, and you know, it's that great, um, it's that great drama where where you can see Giannis and the guy dribbling, maybe maybe has has got him in the back of his mind, but can't really <laughs> see him, and uh, and Giannis comes through and just spikes it, and and so we had a couple of those uh, tonight, a couple spikes against the glass which uh which was, of course was fun and um here's know. the thing frank i've watched a lot of Giannis basketball and i've gotten to the point where like i expect things and i know things are coming and as as i watch basketball i often have audible reactions like i'll, I'll often have like an oh or like some sort of excitement when i see something cool and i've gotten good enough to kind of train myself when i see something Giannis is about to do to not react in that way. I couldn't do it on that spiked one. I I don't know if I've <laughs> ever seen a ball blocked harder into the back into the backboard than that one. It was it was incredible. Yeah, that was the second one. The first one he kind of I think it was Ish Smith. He kind of just like pinned against the glass. Yeah, and the second one he just like. You know, oh basically it was like he was trying to start a fast break by <laughs> blasting it against the backboard um which was uh which was just fun and um again this is this is the joy we need back in our lives very I, soon yes um, and uh and so that was nice to see um let's move to the 15th spot on the roster frank all right all right here we, well part, so it was funny right because the buck starters get in three good quarters they're up by a bunch basically going into uh into the last quarter um and they kind of trot out the uh it, it was interesting there was um, I think did Brandon uh, Brandon Rush did not play at all yep, in the out. game on Friday. Um, yeah, so he didn't play at all. Um, we saw in the fourth quarter. I think it was for the most part Gerald Green, Sterling Brown, Rashad Vaughn, Gary Payton, uh, DJ Wilson, and Joel Anthony. I think was the group that we saw for the most part down the stretch. Um, and 
Gerald Green looked like he was kind of pressing and trying to get shots up. And honestly, I don't necessarily blame him that much because, you know, basically had a bunch of, you know, youngsters who didn't mm-hmm. necessarily know what to do. And um, Joel Anthony. And Joel Anthony, <laughs> uh, who doesn't want to do anything <laughs> offensively because he knows he can't. Um, I, I thought the, the, the part that was annoying was Green had one where I think it was like a three-on-one, three-on-two type situation. And he, like, tried to pull off this really awkward Euro step that he flubbed and you know mm-hmm. got stripped off himself and kind of blew it and you know this was when the the, the pistons were, were on the comeback trail and it was kind of like yeah gerald just make the simple play i think dj wilson was trailing um but we end the game and obviously most of us kind of thought that gerald green was the most likely candidate to survive uh the buck survivor uh for for that 15th roster spot um i did wonder when I saw Gary Payton was was part of the Bucks marketing day stuff, um, the, I think it was Friday, maybe Friday mm-hmm. uh, or, or Thursday. Um, you know, they they film all the stuff that they show in arena. You know, all the funny kind of skits and things like that. And I saw some pictures that Gary Payton was part of that. So part of me was kind of thinking like, would they? Did they like have him participate in that? Because yeah. like maybe there's like, yeah, is this like a sign that maybe he's he's gonna like hang around the team or something? Um, but no, that was not part of the. That was not a tell at least. Uh, you know, it's still possible he could come back on a two-way. But uh, but Gary Payton was released. Brandon Rush is released. Joel Anthony is released. Kendall Marshall had already been released. And so presumably in the very early hours of uh, Saturday morning after the game on Friday, we're all sitting there thinking, oh, Gerald Green, congratulations. You're the 15th guy on the roster. Mm, maybe not so fast. Yeah, on Saturday we found out that Gerald Green was also going to be waived, and that was exactly what happened. And now we're in a spot where uh, on Saturday I, I guess we were all kind of wondering, okay, there's a number of people out there, and I know in my mind I was thinking, well, you know, a bunch of people have gotten released in the last 48 hours. Is it possible that one of those guys released is more attractive on this roster than Gerald Green? Yes, certainly. Um, I, I don't think there was anything about Gerald Green that really impressed me um, throughout any of that. And again, maybe the team saw something different in practices and stuff like that where he was undoubtedly uh, a great addition to the roster, but I didn't see any of that. So when they dropped him, I was like, okay, I guess I could see that. Um and then on Saturday night, we find out that, according to Adrian Wojnarowski and Dave McMenamin, the Milwaukee Bucks have emerged as serious suitors in the pursuit of forward Richard Jefferson. League sources told ESPN.com, no agreement has been reached, but the Bucks and Jefferson have mutual interest in a possible deal once he clears waiver m- waivers Monday, league sources said. Uh, then the end of the article mentions the fact that the Bucks are... Uh, they had been working on, oh, let's see, how do they phrase it? Working to trade several players to clear salary cap space, including guard Richard Vaughn and center John Henson. League sources said the Bucks have been willing to attach a second round pick and offers for Vaughn. So that was pretty much what we got to hear there. And then I, I think if I can sum it up right, there was some sort of freak out um, about, of course, it's Richard Jefferson. He played with Jason Kidd. 
the Bucks are a mess. How did they take so long to figure out who is their 15th spot and then cut him anyways? What are they doing trying to trade Rashad Vaughn in a second-round pick when they don't even need to? Or why would they do it? It would be a waste of time if they did it. And, again, as, as I've mentioned throughout this entire process, I don't know if it's Jeremy Schmidt in me. I don't know if it's just the fact that I've gotten to cover this team uh, for a couple of years now. Meh. Like, it's the 15th spot on the roster. I don't think it signals anything. Um, I don't think it signals any problems. And if anything, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording. If anything, for all of the critiques of Jason Kidd, the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks could pull in Richard Jefferson in this spot, the fact that the Bucks could pull in Jason Terry to be a veteran leader, like isn't that one of the the attractive things about Jason Kidd that he can pull in those guys? Because I think guys like that are incredibly valuable. <laughs> I think guys that want to be a part of that understand what their role may be, understand that they may not play all the time, understand that they're helping out a young team take a new step. Like The fact that those guys are interested in being a part of this, I think is a good thing. Am I crazy to think that bringing in Richard Jefferson instead of Gerald Green would be a good thing? Yeah, I mean, my my gut reaction is I'd probably rather have Richard Jefferson than Gerald Green. I mean, I don't know that much about Gerald Green as like a locker room guy. Um but I don't know. I mean, I, I do see Jefferson if he wants to be here, right? And obviously, um, if he did end up here, that would presumably be because, yes, he's signing here because he wants to play here and yeah. he's, you know, on board with whatever the Bucks are doing. I mean, you know, he's a guy who obviously is, I think he theoretically retired maybe a year ago and then and then ended up re-signing mm-hmm. with, with Cleveland. Um, and w- one thing kind of before we dive in is a little bit, I mean, I, I know Bobby Marks tweeted out something about how the Bucks would be $5,000 over the luxury tax if they picked uh, picked up Jefferson on waivers. And just to kind of quickly clarify that, so Jefferson's current contract. <laughs> Bobby did not this, account for the neuroses of Bucks fans. Yeah, uh, well, and, I, and you know, if, you, if you're not like deep in the weeds on this correct. stuff and you hear that the Bucks, you know, are going to have to attach a pick to trade Rashad Vaughn in order to claim Richard Jefferson off waivers. Yeah, that would be, I mean, that would be stupid to claim Jefferson off waivers for 2.5 million. And I'll tell you why, because uh, the minimum for, for Richard Jefferson at his, you know, cause he's over 10 year vet is, is 2.3 million. Same as Jason Terry. But as, as we've mentioned before, the league subsidizes minimum level contracts such that basically you, you only pay effectively and, and what only counts against the cap is the same as basically a two year veteran. So it's like a little under 1.5, I think it is. So, you know, it's a nice little kind of niche there because the player gets 2.3, the league basically subsidizes it by, you know, let's say 800 grand or whatever it is. Um, and the team doesn't have to take the full cap hit of that. Now, Je- I don't know why Jefferson got 2.5 million from the Cavs. You would have thought they would, of all teams, be really, you know, particular about this because they have a huge luxury tax bill and, and all this stuff matters a lot it costs them i mean that's literally i don't know maybe a couple million bucks that they paid extra just by you know giving him more than the minimum and for the bucks similarly if they claim him off waivers they have to pay his existing contract now i don't think any team is going to take him off waivers um usually in situations like this you know the agent will basically let teams know that you know, he doesn't want to go to your team if you're some random team that wants to claim a guy off waivers especially if he's old and close to retiring um 
So, you know, the, basically the way it presumably would work is, you know, Richard Jefferson, I think, is his agent Dan Fink or uh, uh, Jeff Schwartz? I think somebody said that, which I just assumed I it assumed was true of face value. But either way, so Jeff Schwartz or whoever his agent is um, goes to uh, goes to all and any team interested and says, oh, yeah, we know don't don't take him. Just let him clear waivers and he'll clear waivers and then he'll sign with whoever he wants. And if he wants to sign with the Bucks, you know. I mean, the Bucks would be idiotic to pay him more than the minimum because then they might actually be over the luxury tax, which would be bad. It is so Jeff instead, Schwartz. Yeah, so, you know, again, and this is all part of the thing. Like, the reason Richard Jefferson might want to play for the Bucks rather than retire is because, you know, he's got a connection. There's the Schwartz connection, Kid connection, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so, yeah, I think there's just sort of, the, it's almost like, you know, politics where a lot of fans, like, if they think Jason Kidd is getting a player he wants or that Jason Kidd has anything to do with, a player coming to a team, whether it's Jet or Richard Jefferson, um, then it's like got to be like a horrible sign for the front office that Jason Kidd has any sway whatsoever. Um, now, if this is like indicative of Jason Kidd being able to do whatever he wants and actually being the puppet master, and John Horst is, you know, like not doesn't actually have any say whatsoever, and he's just going to yes. be, you know, whatever, then that would be bad, obviously. Yes. But I think th- there's a very reasonable view where you could say, well, it's an end of the bench guy and kid thinks he can get something good out of Richard Jefferson and he can get him to play in Milwaukee just like he did jet. And I certainly am not going to criticize the jet Jason kid connection. Cause I was a big fan of what jet brought. So I think it's okay for sometimes Jason kid to actually use his connections and the short stuff to actually get you a guy that could actually bring you something. And again, Richard Jefferson, not going to like change your trajectory of this team. But, you know, again, as a guy who, um, you know, is a veteran, has won a championship um, and is going to be able to know kind of where he falls in line with this team. Um, I'm totally fine with it for a 15th roster spot. And, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I would have, um, I would have cared about, you know, Jefferson potentially stealing minutes from DJ Wilson, but I don't know. I didn't see anything from DJ Wilson that like made me that excited about seeing him play this year. So, um, as somebody who's, you know, prioritizing, you know, the Giannis, Chris, Thon, core over the kind of peripheral guys, you know, if the peripheral guys, you know, the Sterling Browns, DJ Wilson's, if they can't beat out these crusty old veterans for minutes, uh, and part of the concern, understandably, is, you know, well, you don't want Jason Kidd just throwing these guys minutes just because they're his friends. That is very valid. Um, but, you know, again, I, I'm okay with some competition. And I don't think, you know, DJ Wilson is entitled to play 15 minutes per game or whatever. So, um, so it's fine by me. And uh, if it happens, that's, that's cool. And I think, you know, again, Jefferson's not going to fundamentally change what this team is capable of, but I think he's, you know, again, for a guy you're picking up in mid October, right before the season starts would be a solid addition. Yeah. I think gen- it would be generally helpful. <laughs> um, so, any other thoughts on the Richard Jefferson stuff? Um, I think I've just about exhausted any thoughts I have, opinions I have about it. Um, I'm not sure yeah, there's I, much more there for me. Yeah, I mean, I think the only other thing is just like kind of the lens, the, the, what this says for other guys in the roster. You know, I, I was, uh, after the game on Friday, obviously Mirza Toledovich shot the ball well. The, the archipelago was proud, um, hitting four out of six. <laughs> Granted, one of them was a banker at the end of a quarter, but whatever, you know, when it's going well, it's going well. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, and I just watching kind of the preseason, I don't know, like DJ Wilson hasn't really done anything to, I mean, you know, when he was drafted, it was kind of like this guy looks like he could, his, his upside is like a very good role player. And 
I don't know if his upside has looked particularly higher after the preseason or, or summer league. He looks like, you know, he could fit a useful niche, but really yeah. just be a role player within, you know, sort of the niche of a stretch four type guy. And, um, you know, nothing I've seen from him suggests that he's going to be some kind of, you know, big value add this year. And um, certainly with Toledovich, I feel a little bit more confident that he's going to, you know, come in and more consistently impact games. But again, like, you know, we know all these guys are going to get a shot at some point, so it will be interesting to see how it kind of plays out. And I think the other thing, um, I was happy to see Sterling Brown kind of looking more comfortable on Friday. Um, yep. Rashad Vaughn hit a couple threes, made a couple of dishes actually to Toledovich for threes. Um, but I just, and I don't know, I mean, it's one of those things that we've seen two years of mostly struggles from Rashad Vaughn of not looking kind of very natural on the ball, of just things kind of just him just looking kind of young and often kind of out of place, I think. Yeah. Um, and with Sterling Brown, I just, I don't know, he just passes the eye test for me, you know, and, and he hit some shots last couple of games. Um, we know he's got, you know, a, a good body. He's got, you know, good college pedigree. His shooting pedigree is obviously very, very good. And, um, you know, he's certainly a guy, if you ask me, you know, who's going to play more minutes, Rashad Vaughn or, or Sterling Brown. I mean, I would take Brown over Vaughn at this point. And certainly the the comment from, uh, you know, over the weekend that, that the Bucks were looking to potentially move Vaughn, I mean, I, I would not give up a pick to move on just because, um, you know, when I comment on Twitter, you know, a, a pick can be worth three million bucks in the second round. Right. Yeah. Like we're seeing, um, you know, Rashad Vaughn's going to make under two million this year. So attaching a pick to get rid of that salary when you don't need it to get under the tax or anything. Um, and there's not like there's some great player that you can add to your roster by getting rid of Rashad Vaughn. I just don't see the point of it. You know, if, if you're done with Rashad Vaughn, I think you just decline his team option for for the following season 2.9 million which you know certainly given what we're hearing would seem less and less likely um but just decline his team option and you know as awkward it is to keep a guy after you've declined his his last year option um you know that that's i think that's the easier way to just sort of be done with it but uh yeah i don't know we'll see so i'd say sterling brown good to see him kind of finishing off the preseason on a higher note and um you know dj wilson yeah I don't know. We'll see. He'll get some chances, but I'm, I'm certainly not penciling him in for, for any type of big role this year. All right, Frank. It is 9.34 on October 15th. It is Sunday night. On October 16th, the deadline for teams to sign eligible players from the 2014 draft class to rookie scale extensions will hit. So... I need to ask you, Frank, what would you put the odds of if you had to put a percent chance of the Bucks and Jabari Parker coming together for a contract extension? What would you put that number at? Uh, I mean, I am in no way expecting like I, I had totally forgotten that like, oh, tomorrow's the deadline. Um, but I'll say, I don't know. 15% maybe there's some oh, universe that's what I was going to go with like maybe there's some universe where I'm just completely oblivious to it but and the Bucks have actually been working to try to do something um, but I don't think it would be I, I would I would say this I would not view that to be a a you know wise thing like I, I don't think you're going to get a deal that you like let's say that um, yep at, at this point 
I would totally agree. I just wanted to check in with you and make sure that since this will go up either on the night before the deadline day or on deadline day that we discussed it. I, I don't think there's much of a chance. I think both sides are probably trying to do whatever they can not to offend each other as they try to have these conversations uh, because obviously if they don't get something done, they'll have to attempt to get something done again next summer. Um, so... I just think they're probably way too far apart. I can't imagine. Um, I know you and Mitchell talked about it a little bit last week. I can't imagine the Embiid and Wiggins extensions help at all uh, just because of Embiid's checkered past with injuries and uh, with Wiggins at times struggling to be a, a very successful basketball player. Um, so I, I can't imagine either of those help. I can't imagine uh, Parker's camp is willing to take any sort of discount. And I can't imagine the Bucks are willing to hand out any sort of contract uh, like that that would please uh, Parker's camp. So I would agree, 15% or so in that should be that yeah and the, and the only thing to note even though the you know previously it was end of end of october for these um these rookie scale extensions that that jabari is eligible for um i was just confirming on cbafq.com faq.com my favorite website of course for all things cap um that they did not change the deadline for picking up team options so um certainly as f- from everything i understand they still have until the end of the month Check or treat, to make baby. Dis- yeah exactly so they they have until the end of the month to make a decision on um not just rashad vaughn's final year uh of uh of his rookie scale contract but also for thon's uh third year of his uh rookie scale contract so the first team option the first two years are guaranteed so if you see something about the bucks picking up we know they're obviously going to pick up thon makers team option um you'll see something on the on the wire about that normally in the past i want i looked this up last year because they decoupled they picked up jabari's at one point and then they waited to pick up vaughn's um I, I could not find an example like in the previous like decade where they didn't make the determination for all their guys eligible for team options on the same day so mm-hmm. rashad vaughn the fact that he wasn't uh that they waited till the last minute last year suggests to you that you know they were looking around just in case there was a trade uh and you know obviously you'd rather let the team that you that trades for him make that decision so um i would certainly expect this year uh if rashad vaughn obviously hasn't moved before then that um that it'll go down probably to to the wire again um with rashad and, and thon obviously that probably little doubt that that might happen earlier but uh but yeah so thon will get his team option and probably the bigger question is does does rashad get that option for the uh 18 19 season that that's so far away it's crazy I, I, like it's such a high number but it's really only um one season away now that we're in the 17 18 season all right frank i'm done that's enough for me. Uh, this has been Locked on Bucks for the day. We are going to have the second part of our over-under series on Tuesday. And also, I guess we're going to record a preview for uh, Wednesday as well um, that we can put out the day of the game uh, because the Bucks season opener is on Wednesday, Frank. Wednesday. is that? That's crazy, right? <sighs> Not soon enough. Bring it on. Let's do this. Totally agreed. I'm tired of talking about personnel decisions. I want to talk about basketball. So let's get there. Uh, We'll bring you one day closer with this episode. We will talk to you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Bucks.